This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucid. Another episode of On the Record. I am your host, Astrum Luxlusis. And today we have, of course, another very special guest in house who is the CEO of a full service music agency, Lip Sync Music. Since the company's inception in 2009, they have generated millions in sync revenue for their artists on their roster, priding themselves on helping independent artists quit their day jobs. Their work spans an array of international brands like Apple, Nike, Target, Amazon, PlayStation, Samsung, The Gap, Miller Lite, Honda, Audi, Lexus, and all of the major TV and film networks. Lip Sync artists have been heard in major motion pictures and TV shows such as Magic Mike, 21 Jump Street, The Scream franchise, What to Expect When You're Expecting, Showtime's Shameless, House of Lies, and Californication, Girls, The Newsroom, and Entourage, Orange is the New Black, ABC's Nashville and Grey's Anatomy, Glee, AMC's Breaking Bad, NCIS and CSI, and many more. And their publishing division, Very Well Music Group, has recently secured international publishing with Strictly Confidential. And on July 1st, they launched Scissorbox, their in-house sound design library with a roster of unique talent creating customized compositions. Currently, she is producing a documentary on the Nashville A-Team, of which her grandfather was a key member, and it's slated for release in late 2016. Without further ado, please welcome Lauren Harmon. Hi. Hey, how are you today, Lauren? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to have you on the show. So, yeah, um, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. So, Lip Sync is your current venture, and it seems to be just incredible. And so, Ooh. tell us, how did you get there, or how did you get here? Because where the, am the I? Thing, um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, I I came into this whole business at a really good time. It was like right after Garden State soundtrack had come out and um it was like you know everybody was sort of turning around to the idea of licensing their music like from the independent artist perspective at the same time that that became really valuable to you know the music vendors and the music supervisors because the budgets were cutting and we were everybody was calling it kind of the wild west and anyway I got my first job at Zinc Music which is a really prominent um great company they focus on music licensing and are certainly one of the pioneers of being a an independent licensing agency which is what lip sync is um and yeah so just a couple of you know steps in between that and decided to do it on my own after i had uh, garnered a enough relationships and felt pretty confident there and i guess now it's been seven years coming up which is crazy yeah. So here we yeah. are. Yeah, and the relationships is very key. Like I'm finding like everyone who I'm talking to on the show, you know, it, basically their success is boiled down to having a certain mindset and the relationships that they make and and mm-hmm. and form with people. So 
Um, yeah. So tell us about well, the little. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, yeah, no. It's. I think it's a combination of, like, I've certainly done really dumb stuff and you know, <laughs> looked really <laughs> stupid in front of a lot of people. But I think at the end of the day, if you are good at what you do, which I think you will be if you do the right thing, you know, with yourself. Um, and then just sticking around and keeping a good a good uh, reputation <laughs> in as many ways as you can in the music business. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the dumb things that you did? Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, well, just like, you know... My, good, you're good. Uh, well, one of my, one of the, one of the hard parts of this job is that you also have to do music licensing. So I'm a creative person. I love music. I'm not a, you know, first and foremost. I at least in the beginning was not a business person. Like I didn't. We, we have to handle copyrights and paperwork and know what we're doing. And I just got into some situations where maybe a supervisor wasn't around, and I had to like turn in a. P- paperwork and I like put a sticker on it and like you know take off the back signature page which is really dumb um and just like just do really dumb things like that but I'm not I'm not giving you the real juice for real (laughs) (laughs) that's for all fair (laughs) (laughs) nice so like tell us about the little girl with the dream then because you know I'm sure when you were little you know this whole music licensing thing was just like not even in in the wind of when I grow up, I want to be a music licensor. So how no. did you even get involved with the music industry? Well, I was kind of born into it from a weird angle. Like my grandfather, um, well, I'm from Tennessee. I'm from Nashville. My grandfather was like sort of an, he's like a grand OG, like grandfather of country music. And he, his name is Buddy Harmon. He, uh, was a session drummer all over Nashville, but also in-house at the Grand Ole Opry. So, like, as a little kid, we would come in sometimes and, like, watch him perform or get to do random stuff like that. So I, but I actually kind of was like, this is dumb, I hate this, And when I was a teenager and all of that, and ended up, like, moving around the country and just kind of was like, I'm not going to do that. And I don't know, I guess I just came back around to it when I was at NYU for college, living in the city, and I was, like, a I was thinking I was going to do like PR or, or like media. And then I just found myself gravitating toward the Lower East Side before it became like it is now. This is like, uh, I guess, 12, 13, 14 years ago when I went started going there. Um, but so, yeah, I just go to like these little venues and just really fell in love with music and then stumbled into this this first job, really licensing when I moved out here. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'd like to say I was like a big dreamer, but I was just really like, I don't know. What am I doing with myself? I don't want to be like super poor, so I got to figure <laughs> this out. So that leaves being a musician out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way, dude. I knew better than that. <laughs> yeah, but did you have any interest in music as um, playing it? Like, did you ever play an instrument growing up? No, I always say my instrument is my ears because I think, I guess, you know, the one thing I was always passionate about was listening to music and discovering new music. That's always been something I really love to do. So I'd say that I've developed my ears over the years by by kind of rebelling from country music and really getting weird and, you know, having a dad who was into Bowie or, you know, Roxy music or, you know, random 
just weird stuff like Biff Rose and that really developed a sense of discovery for me. So I'm, I'm that I'm, I feel really grateful that I get to do. But like I said, that's why, you, you know, you, if, if you do what you should be doing and want and really feel passionate about, you'll probably be good at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you get to, was LA, was the move to LA, was that a, you had a job already or you just, what, how did you get there? Well, that, this is a pretty funny story. I don't know. Maybe, I don't mean to sound like whatever, and it it is the most L.A. story. But um, my best friend in college, her her older brother was uh, Pacey on Dawson's Creek. You know, Joshua Jackson. Um, okay. He he was like he was like a heartthrob when I was in high school, um, and like he was in Mighty Ducks. Anyway, whatever. So he like had this really nice house out here, and we became really close when I was in college, um, and then. At my college graduation, he came out and partied with us and was just like, you know, I love you guys. Like, move out to L.A. for six months if you want. Like, you can live at my place for free and see how you like it. And it was like, uh, okay. So we, like, packed up our little Volvo and drove across country. I think this was, like, 2005. Um, And then we lived in Topanga in his, like, big house overlooking you know Malibu and we're like it was just such a weird experience (laughs) and it was a hard experience to go then back to real life and like working in indie music for like you know 15 grand a year after that but that was what got me out here to be honest with you so wow (laughs) very very Hollywoody yeah yeah so what was that like though so you're living in this great place and now you like you said you're going back and you're making like 15 grand a year did you have to work a couple jobs besides that one to sort of make ends meet? Oh yeah, I've always been a bartenderess of some sort, or cocktail waitress, or you know, uh, slinging some kind of drinks until I, I think until I was like uh, had worked at that company Zinc for a good year and started to become a real asset there. Um, yeah, you, you know, I've always had a few jobs at one time trying to support my lifestyle <laughs> I like it yeah too. I don't know <laughs> anyway nice nice so talk a little bit about the world of sync music because or or uh, synchronization and all that because it's sort of fairly new and it's uh-huh. it, it's kind of like the new A&R I mean even like yeah. reading your website, reading your bio, it's it's almost like you are a record label sort of nowadays. So, right. Well, to continue, I guess that from, from I just like remembered what my original thought was. I, I think going from like that silly Hollywood scene to like, you know, then going up and, and seeing shows, you know, up in Silver Lake. I hate to say it's so hipster, but like going up from and seeing the stark contrast from the lifestyles, I was like, all right. I'm glad I'm not like you know an actress or some crap and like I really started, I really helped me to embrace the musical culture and it was at such a budding time when you know like I don't know my first show out here was probably I think Broken Social Scene with like Stars and Feist and I was just like I paid for the ticket I was like so excited and anyway I don't know as I've grown up in the business I mean the way you know we all kind of like 
we all kind of like me and my contemporaries all hook each other up. We talk, we, we, you know, we all discover the music together, but it's such a subculture of like going around to shows and everyone's trying to like find stuff first, which is essentially A&R, which is essentially now, especially compared to before, that's everybody's job is to be an A&R. I mean, you have to, you have to be able to do it, you know, regardless of what your position at the company is. Um, it's essential, especially at smaller companies like mine. I, you know, I can't really for a huge corporation because I've never worked at one. But hmm. um, yeah, it's really it's really important. It's everything. It's every single thing for us. We have to be able because we don't like we don't pitch things before we sign them for an agreement, a band for an agreement. We have to, you know, get the band, find out the details, make sure we get it early, make sure we do a whole servicing to film and TV and. You know, we have to have enough faith and confidence in our A&R capabilities that it's going to make money. It's an investment anytime we sign a band and spend the time to do that. So it's essential. I think that's why a lot What's of your... A&R people are kind of losing their jobs. Yeah, yeah. What's your process for uh, – what are you looking for when you're, when you're signing bands and artists? Well, I hate to say one thing. I mean, there are certainly trends in what people are looking for, you know, for years it was singer songwriter. And then it was like EDM, EDM, EDM. Now it's like somewhere between, I don't even know what it is now. It's kind of everywhere right now, but um, our process has been refined to, you know, we, we get everybody at our company, you know, tries to find new things online, but essentially we are really busy doing our jobs and we get a lot of submissions from managers we work with, repeat business bands who have heard about us on, you know, something random. Um, so we've had to get organized so that we don't get distracted from our money-making job, which is to, you know, have an A&R meeting like once every two weeks where, you know, everything is prepared, you know, the music coordinator has gone through and, and gotten all the information we need about the release dates and who owns the rights and da 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 da, da. And then we sit for a few hours, uh, you know, co- like drink coffee and listen through the highlighted tracks and talk about everything and and then after that we kind of circle back around and and you know we end up signing a lot of cool stuff that way nice and do you have any kind of um like online catalog system so that if you're you you get a call from somebody and they want uh, an up-tempo blah 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 whatever and then do you kind of have something structured where you can go and here's all of our up-tempo songs and you just start listening through them. Like what's the process once you get a call from somebody to submit? Well, you have to think about, I mean, yes, we, we absolutely 100% have our own little online sort of iTunes system that we use. It's called source audio. And, you know, they really have grown with me since I started, they started and, and they've really done amazing things but um anyway so we you know once we sign something we make sure to upload it with lyrics and we have somebody really specifically tag it and put it into that system but you know think about the reason why people come to people like me it's because they yes like like the music super is hi- supervisor is hired to oversee the music on a project but you know he needs help they need help uh, filtering when they're looking for something. It's like, okay, you want the Rolling Stones in this scene. Well, that's not going to happen. Our budget is $5,000. So they need to be able to come to me and say, like, this is our budget and have me send them a, I'd like to say, digestible, uh, you know, uh, 
format of receiving that music so that it's not overwhelming. They want to. So our job is really, and this is the hardest part of the job, especially when you're busy and you may not be paying attention every time you send one of these out. A pitch is what we call it. Um, is to really pay attention to, to what their needs are and to filter. You know, so if they're saying I want up tempo male vocals that talk about, you know, being happy, like. You can't send, like, mid-tempo female vocals that don't say anything about that or, like, a song about a breakup, which you'd be amazed at, at how often that happens with pitchers. Like, it's just, it's it's really an art form to be good at pitching and really understanding the client's needs and and then, yeah, making it palatable. And, and, and you, sort of, you, you sort of think it wouldn't be, though. I mean, if they're giving you specifics... You know, it's like you just match the specifics, but, you know, I, I know what you mean about, you know, yeah. you would, you'd sort of think it was a, a natural ability, but it's not necessarily. Like they say common sense is not actually not that common. It's only about 7% of the population, and most of it is women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Well, I yeah. mean, I think it's one of those things people think it's easier than it is, but it's, you know, it's hard to pay attention to details. <laughs> Yeah. That's what you got to yeah. do. But anyway. We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. Hi, this is Jilly Moon. Come check out my website at jillymoon.com. That's G-I-L-L-I moon.com. See you there. And we're back on the record. So when you start first forming this company, uh, what were some of the first steps that you took to put things together? Whew. Uh, I, um, well, I mean, your contact list is everything, obviously. And, and, you know, I made a lot of phone calls saying, hey, I'm, like, doing my own thing now, like, I would love it if you would come with me, and I had a, I knew would, and then once you get a couple, then you reach out to the to more people, and, you know, managers, and labels, and it just kind of snowballs, um, and then you have, you know, once, yeah, every morning I would wake up and be, have a panic attack, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what am I doing, and then, like, get myself together, walk my dog, have coffee, and then sit down, and just for hours, email people like hey i started this company here's like a mix of stuff we have and like you know i'd say five out of a hundred people wrote me back and it was 
so, you know, you're so vulnerable. It's so embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. like you're really putting yourself out there. But it's I can tell you that now after seven years of, or, you know, probably now 10 years of doing this, like, everybody has come around, you know, the, the scariest of the scary clients who I never thought would, would acknowledge us, you know, are totally our friends. Now, I think a lot of it's just, like I said, staying good at what you what you do and remaining consistently good and, you know, keeping a good reputation and just, what do they say? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how does how do you as a company get paid? Do you take a percentage of the mm-hmm. sync fees? That, okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I was just, yeah. Uh, well, we we do all of our licenses on behalf of our artists, so we get paid everything, and then we take a percentage and and pay them out. That way, we can kind of manage our own. You know, if I work with my person at ABC to get this money for this band. I don't want to be like, Hey, now here's their manager, their friend they went to high school with. You guys talk. It's like, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll handle it. And then we'll pay you out. It works well mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some things that you've learned along the way being a business owner? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I've certainly learned a lot about my own trade, but you definitely, you know, to be a business owner, you have to be good at your own trade, but then also be decent at least at being a business person. So I've learned to, I'd say first and foremost, see the forest, for, you know, the trees or whatever the phrase is, like look at the big picture, you know, like let go of a, if there's a weird situation, like, you know, we've had situations when in the beginning when we would do a non-exclusive deal, which means that there might be more than one person like our company working on a, on a record together. And, you know, my really good friend at NBC or some something will be like, oh, shoot, like, I thought this song was cleared through so-and-so, so I went to them. And, you know, in that moment, I think we all can choose the way we react, especially when we really need money and we're, like, freaking out. And we can choose to, like, be crazy and get you know, all like long written email, like write three page emails, and, you know, <laughs> we've all done, been guilty of, or you can just say, you know what, like this relationship is more important to me. I'm going to make money more than this in the future. Like let it go, you know, and focus on something else. Basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one, one thing I've really learned. And yeah, I don't know. Shoot. Have I learned anything? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your gut. Follow your gut, you know, because that's not not to be like whatever, but especially with music and, and in creative endeavors, if you don't really believe in something that you're working with, then who else is going to, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm a hippie. It's cool. <laughs> right on. So being a hippie, do you have any, like, a meditation practice or any kind of uh, go inside sort of practice? um well you know yeah i'm totally like la it's so ridiculous i i love yoga and and like hiking and stuff but i mean i think when you're like really in your head and you're trying to start something and do something like take a walk when you start to freak out like you know mindfulness is something i'm really trying to practice it's like recognizing a feeling that you have and sort of isolating it and letting it go and kind of focusing on something else yeah definitely nice for sure 
not partying too much. It's hard in the in the entertainment business. Say no. It's not going to be that fun sometimes. <laughs> Get a yeah. Guy. I'm also yeah, right. a mom, though, so I'm also, like, in my 30s, and I'm a mom, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you had mentors along the way? Absolutely. That's an essential. That's an essential. Yeah. Yes. When, when did you get your first mentor? I mean, it was never like, could, would you be my mentor? It would be more like, <laughs> I don't know, like, <laughs> I mean, it would be like older older people I'd meet at like a conference in France like who I had no idea who they were and I'd probably be like snarky in a corner and we would just become friends like that's one thing like I would recommend too to people just like go places and don't try to seek people out just figure out just see who you connect with you never know who they're going to be so you know like one of my first ones probably was I met him at Medem this like music conference in France which was so cool that I got to go to with Zinc they always do a party there and yeah, he ended up being, like, this huge, like, record label executive, and I got to be able, I was able to just, like, easily, like, as a friend, and not in, like, a yuzi, icky way, just be like, hey, what do I do, you know, and, yeah, so I guess I was probably 24 at that point, you know, and that, and and being able to say, like, hey, help me, what do I do, is is a big deal, you you have to, which which helps when you're genuinely friends with somebody, like, create genuine, really, I feel like create, creating genuine relationships is, goes a really long way in this business, like, I always tell my employees, I'm like, don't, when you go out to drinks with this person, don't freaking talk to them about what they're working on, like, ask them what they're doing this weekend, or, like, just get to know them, you know, because they don't want to talk about work, they're, like, having drinks right now, <laughs> you know, just get to know each other, they'll come to you when they need something. Anyway, yeah, I, I digress. <laughs> what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've gotten from mentors over the years? Oh, probably big picture stuff, and uh, yeah, just yeah, just not taking everything so intensely and so seriously, and getting so upset and. When, you know, because people are going to, like, quote, unquote, screw you over, but you can't be dramatic about it. You've got to realize this is a business, music business, not music playtime with friends. Or I'm sure that was a quote from something. I have no idea. But, you know, everybody's not out to get you if something bad does happen. So you got to get over stuff easier. And then you'll be able to appreciate when you have, like, really easy moving projects or things that are really working out. You'll know when to focus on that. Um, I don't know. Everybody's got to find their own way. Yeah. Do you find um, asking for help in the music industry, are people more willing to give it or not, or is it just kind of a mix and depends on the person and, and that kind of thing? Well, that's, I mean, yeah, one of the most disappointing and, like, shattering things when you get here is that everybody talks and not not anybody follows up or returns their emails. It's you. It's horrible, you know. And and it's and you feel like what? Like what am I doing? Da, da, da. Like that's. But it's like I said. It's all about having genuine relationships, which a lot of times you can only have with time, which ties mm. into just the marathon thing. It's like stick around, be yourself, be a genuine person, have genuine relationships, like, and it'll just kind of work out I think yeah yeah 
I'm like, what about you? Let's turn the microphone around. <laughs> Your turn. Oh, man. My turn, no. Um, I'm going <laughs> to digress. Um, so you're producing a documentary now. Like, as mm-hmm. in, how did that come about? Um, oh, cool. No, that's cool. I don't get to talk about this very much. Um well, because I told you my grandfather was this drummer. He was, like, part of this group of musicians called the A-Team that were on over a 1,000 number one hits, like, um, are just really the grandfathers of Nashville. If you walk up and down Music Row, I mean, Roberts is named after Bob Moore, who's one of the A-Team. And it's, like, it's a group of, you know, 12 to 16 over the years, over 30-some-odd years of musicians that were in the studio together you know, six days a week. And on the seventh day, they had a bowling league with their wives. Like, they were nice. really modest, which, you know, they were never really famous because they never really wanted that. But they were on every, you know, Patsy Cline to, like, my grandfather was on Pretty Woman, you know, Roy, Roy Orbison. I mean, they've done so, they've they've done a lot of incredible things. So I, I, I had a client in New York, actually. I, I was just trying to make, like, a covers record of songs that, my grandfather was on as like a little tribute for fun as we kind of started working on custom music. So if, if an artist would go into the studio and they wouldn't know what to do, I'd be like, well, we'll do pretty woman or do this. And that was a really like beautiful way for me to start doing, um, you know, getting into production was to sort of have bands. I loved cover a song that my grandfather was on. So anyway, I was like talking to a studio slash production company in New York that I worked with about this because they wanted to get more involved in creative content. And they were like, whoa, I know who your grandfather is. Like, let's do a documentary on him. Like, da da da, da. we'll do this and we'll give you this money. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, I'm going to Nashville. I'll just, like, see if I can pull together a group of my grandfather's old friends for lunch and see if there's an, if it's even, you know, feasible. So I did that, and I ended up meeting with a few of the A-team guys and, realizing you know the guy charlie mccoy who's sitting to my left has been on almost every bob dylan record and you know leonard cohen and and just like crazy things and they all start telling me like dude it's so messed up like we we have not like i've been inducted he's been inducted but the a team has never even been acknowledged by the country music hall of fame and like you know harold bradley who is you know, if you look him up, he's just a, a classic, you know, musician and, and for like 30 years of, of music, rock and roll, country. Um, and he really just like was the ringleader of all these guys. Like he, you know, he wasn't, he's not, you know, he's he's getting up there and it's he's he's in the Hall of Fame, but it's his sort of wish to get all of his A-team buddies inducted. And he really wants to like he's really excited about this documentary. And so they're all excited that this is like, they're like that this is happening and that they get to be a voice for this. And I'm like, awesome. And then, you know, of course that production company literally stops returning my emails and I've like go back to LA and I've got all these guys like, Hey, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Like, let's, can we do this? And, and then I get a phone call that somebody's not doing well and that I've got to rush down there to get it started if I want to do it at all. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to just like figure this out myself. And so I, you know, Nicole, you know, helped me find, uh, you know, an interviewer who's like writes for Rolling Stone. And she helped me find, he did it for nothing, you know, and helped me find a camera crew and just everything just came together really crazy. We pulled it together and like, 
three weeks and I flew down to Nashville and we did like three days of shooting in some of the most classic, you know, recording studios like from down there. I mean, like RCAA and Quonset HUD and, and, and record, you know, had some legends, real legends show up. And so here it is. Now we're just editing together a little sort of sizzle reel, as they call it, of, of what we have so far and you know, sort of see see where we're going to go from there once once I see that next week. <laughs> so nice. that's it. No, no short-winded way to answer that, I guess. But. No, that was awesome. That's great. Um, I was thinking as you were sitting there saying you're sitting there talking with, you know, people who've played with Dylan and all these great people – I don't like. I would probably be like in a state of, I don't like out of this world. Like I can't believe I'm sitting around these people. What was that like <laughs> yeah. for you? I tend to like. I tend to put. I tend to like say, say, I'm gonna do this, and then put my money where my mouth is, and then afterward be like, what did I just do? So like after we finished filming, I just collapsed on my bed and just like cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah, oh so much responsibility now, but like. You know, one person, for example, is like Brenda Lee, like this like five foot tall legend, you know, she did Christmas tree, I'm sorry, you know, and she's just been around and yeah, it was crazy intimidating, but I was so lucky that I had like, instead of me having to interview people, like not knowing as much as I should, I had somebody from Rolling Stone who understood to ask them, you know, really good questions about music theory music you know the the musical questions that I might not have asked not having that you know knowledge which I you mm. know playing an instrument <clears throat> but yeah yeah pretty cool and overwhelming yeah sure. yeah <laughs> um how did so you're talking with this company in New York and everything's going and then all of a sudden they just like they're out of the picture what, what kind of went through your mind right then and there? And were you ever thinking like, all right, why aren't, you know, what's wrong with me that these people aren't contacting me? Or how do you deal with that whole, like, these people aren't contacting me thing when you've just had this dialogue for a while? I'm just used to it. And I don't <laughs> take it personally. Because, you know, just because that dude was genuinely like, oh, well, that's awesome in that moment. Like, he got busy. And you know, it wasn't really a possibility probably at the time. Maybe he forgot to respond. Who who knows? I I, I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, in, mm-hmm. in many ways I choose, I, I actually I choose to look at it like awesome. Like you, you kind of lit a fire under my ass to, to do this in the first place. So thank you. You know, I, I wasn't mm-hmm. even surprised at all. I wasn't even surprised at all, but it, that's just because I'm used to it. Like I said, it's normal. <laughs> I can't rely on anybody. <laughs> It's kind of a sad state. <laughs> hey, you know? but not really because it's empowering. It's like, yeah. okay, well, you know, if, uh, yeah, no, it's empowering. You can let it be what you what it, you let it be. Yeah, of course, true. for a, a couple of days, I was like, you asshole. <laughs> but you know, but, yeah, I got over myself. Yeah. Well, and then they say success is the best revenge. So now, you know, this documentary is going to come out and that dude's not part of it, you know? So, yeah. Well, we'll see. It's Who knows? It's just, yeah, you, you can't hang on to that stuff. It'll hold you down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's a good I mean, philosophy to, to, do you apply that in all areas of your life? 
Well, I mean, I'm a human being. Of course, I have my moments, but like, you know, <laughs> you know, I just I, I try to just move on, just move on. I think I I really do feel like hanging on to anger and negativity holds you down and keeps you from focusing on things that are more beneficial to you as a human. You know, yeah, hippie, <laughs> hippie, <laughs> totally. Nice. So I'm looking at your website, and you've got just uh, a tremendous artist of uh, our artist, a roster of artists, mm-hmm. uh, and some labels. Um, mm-hmm. How exactly do you represent these artists and labels? Is it an exclusive deal, and is it just mm-hmm. for getting them to think? And t- talk a little bit more yeah. about that. Okay. Well, you know, for example. One of our bigger things right now is Keys and Crates Hypnotic in the Point Break trailer. That was right before Christmas, which is one of my favorite things because I love Point Break. But they're on um, Dim, Dim Mac or Dim Mock. Everyone says it differently, but like, which is Steve Aoki's label. So to work with them in the first place, we were like, okay, well, we're only exclusive. So we, like, we work only exclusively with everybody, pretty much, inclu- like, for. For bands, definitely for record labels, mostly because, you know, I see a record label puts out 12 releases a year, you know, and like probably four of them are going to be hits if they're lucky. You know, we we want to be able to do the hits and the ones that aren't hits. And, you know, we also it's really hard to keep track um, if you go through multiple sources to do these like licensing, the licensing. Um, so we have, we have different, you know, we'll reduce our rate if we, if we, if it was something we had nothing to do with and never heard of the, the supervisor or person ever. And the, and the label totally did it themselves. We'll still do it and do the paperwork, but we'll take a reduced fee or something like that. Um, we do have labels we work with um, that will, that will give us first pick like a, PS, you know, play it against Sam. So they'll like they'll they'll send us their newest releases and say, Hey, do you want this? And if we're like, Well, I don't think it's right for us, they'll give it to someone else and we're totally cool with that. So we have different arrangements with labels and publishers, you know, independent publishers, you know, that may not have a licensing department or maybe have one licensing person but want the support of basically what we are, which is a external licensing department. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. 
Do you enjoy discovering new music but feel completely overwhelmed by the sheer volume of music you can find online? When you listen to traditional radio, are you bored by hearing the same songs over and over? Or are you wondering why 80 to 90% of the music you hear is only by male artists? If you want to discover the best music by female artists in all genres, listen to the Women of Substance Music podcast for 30 minutes of music every weekday. We just hit our 100th episode on April 8th and we're going strong. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or WOSpodcast.com. And we're back on the record. So you you got a little brag here that you are helping independent artists quit their day jobs. Um, oh God! And so and so I'm I'm seeing that, and then I'm seeing this roster of it's got to be at least a hundred or more, you know, mm-hmm. bands on your roster. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, are, are all these people like, are they not bartending and waitressing, and are they like <laughs> totally living off of this and? And like, how can one do that? (laughs) No, not everybody, of course, you know, I mean, I just have examples like that's, of course, like that gets taken out of context, but, um, (laughs) you know, there are examples where, you know, an artist will, will like see them open up for somebody. They'll send us their record and they'll make this guy. One guy was a bar back at this like place in, in the east side and gets like enough sinks in like three months where he's made over six figures and he he literally quit his job got a vintage car which is what actually happens a lot with these guys nice. the, the, <laughs> the, the vintage cars dude that like before any sort of like ira or like you know, whatever. <laughs> um yeah and then they'll they do they do put their jobs it does allow them to even you know even if they have to go part-time on something or cater waiter once in a while it allows it opens up their schedules to be able to focus more on that which is a beautiful thing when it works out but no no it's totally not everybody oh hell no i wish yeah Let's talk about balancing life. How about that? We'll talk about balance because you said your mom and you know you're doing you've got your CEO of the company and you're working on this movie thing. Um, what are you doing to balance your life to kind of you know keep because it seems like, like everything that you've accomplished seems like you've pretty much got to be a type A of some sort um, and be very driven and that you get empowered to do things on your own. Um, you know, there's definitely I, I'm. You know, what are you doing to balance your life, basically? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I think the first start is effort. Like, I think I, I, I realized one day, like, oh, you have to actually work toward balancing your life. And I'm not going to say I have it balanced all the time. I It's quite often imbalanced, and I'm just constantly fighting for balance. But, you know, like, you know, I try to do yoga and meditate and freaking go to the Korean spa for 20 bucks and sit there all day long and (laughs) soak soak and just like decompress. You know, I think so much of it is taking care of your body, really taking care of your body is one thing that it's the one thing that helps really is, is, you know, like I definitely, you know, went to a lot of concerts and partied a lot in my twenties and it's so much a part of the culture in our, in the music business. That's why everyone ends up in AA in their thirties. But, you know, once I, (laughs) now that I have a kid it it like forced me to you know chill out a little bit you know and just 
not partying as much, not drinking as much, like, you know, making sure to tap in with myself when I need to take a break instead of pushing through. If, if I should just not be speaking to anyone, like I will take myself out and put myself in timeout so that I don't do anything dumb. You know, nice. once, once your email starts to get longer than a paragraph to somebody, you need to check yourself and take a break because nobody has time for that. You know what I'm saying? Nice, nice. Yeah, I always wonder, like, I'll start typing out the email, or even, like, with text messages, you get these, like, novel text messages, like, why don't you just pick up the phone and call me with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? right? Yeah. Well, I uh, mean, honestly, if if you want me to tell you the truth, I recently went blind in my right eye right before Christmas, oh, and wow. I'm convinced it's because of stress. It's, I have I developed ocular neuritis, which is like an inflamed ocular nerve, and I'm mm-hmm. learning that I've got all this inflammation in my body, and like I think that that's from years of not knowing how to balance stress and like doing it the wrong way. It's like I think it's really taken a toll on my body, so that's that's forced me to stop. I can't email as much. That's what, you know, I can't drive. Like <laughs> it's it's like it's, it'll come back. Like the vision will come back, but it was a huge wake up call to really start paying more attention mm. to the how good, you know, how I'm taking care of myself. Like not stressing myself to the point of blindness is a is a good idea probably this new year. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard it's hard to balance. I don't know if I have any like real answers for that. wow well perhaps it's time to go inside and find those answers you know um yes right on yeah so uh, i'm remembering now what i've been trying to ask you now for like three times (laughs) Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you know you might get somebody and you pass on them because Mm -hmm. it's not right for you so, mm-hmm. and being that the sync world is is sort of like, you know, you mentioned that there were trends. Um, do you try to sign people that are fitting in with the trend or, you know, I know you said no. it's kind of broad and it's different, but um, like, why would you pass on somebody? I okay, guess. well, I mean, I have a policy that at least one person at the company has to be into something in order to sign it because everybody mm. every agent at our company does get a commission on the artist that they sign and, and champion so uh, if you're not willing to if you're not willing to be passionate about that and everybody has their own taste then that's like number one not doing it i don't care what it is mm. and we pass on some yeah. big artists and stuff like that just because it's like no if nobody's going to want to facebook or like you know instagram about it then don't do it but of course then even if we love an artist we have to listen for what you know whether it's it's a trend or not we have to listen for what we're getting asked for a lot like Mm -hmm. do we get okay do we get asked for this you know and then that we ask well okay you know there are a lot of factors that kind of weigh in you know and, and one can weigh more heavily than another like this well this would really work a lot it's not really that cool but I know that I will pitch this all the time. Certainly that happens. But again, like nobody wants to email their a person and be like, hey, go to this person's show. Like if you don't want to invite someone out to their concert, then you should not be signing them at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so like what's, yeah, I don't know. What's, so it's important to have, you know, we are a business. Like it's important to have knowledge of what is licensable. You can't send me like an ambient like weird, you know, record that 
is not going to sit anywhere and then be like shocked if when we're like, hey, you're really cool, but I don't know where the hell you think this is going. You know, realism goes yeah. along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Anyway. So what is the biggest lesson that you've learned over your whole life to this point? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting deep. Um, I mean, just look at the big picture. Just look at the big picture, like I said. You know, take a step back when you get caught up in life and look at the big picture. And, you know, you know that's and, it. So what's the big picture for you? Um, what ma- I guess what matters to you, like, you know, what's important to you? Does this, is this, is pursuing this, this spiral of thought or this relationship or this whatever, is this going to benefit me and my greater good? Is this going to, you know, what, how am I contributing to the people in my life, you know, quality of life? Like quality of life is really important to me and I, you know, for myself and those around me. And that's kind of my big picture. Have you ever created a vision for your life around your big picture, or is it just kind of <laughs> sort of things you know, or do you have like an, a lot of uh, work that I've been doing lately is about vision creation, and you really write mm-hmm. it out and you get specific and all that, and mm-hmm. then you evaluate every choice, decision, thought based upon that vision. And if it's not in alignment with the vision, you just okay, see you later. So have you ever done something like that? Yeah. Well, that's a very literal way of looking at it. But the, the, the truth is once I did, once I did map out 12 months and I had a, I just did this little like, uh, it's like a digital vision board, I guess, where one picture represented each month for the next 12 months. And one of them was like, I wanted, you know, I don't know, all these weird things like uh, I wanted to have a baby. And, and that month I was pregnant. Every single thing happened per month that I had written down and I, I freaked myself out. <laughs> I, was like, I'm not I haven't done that since. <laughs> I haven't done it since, but I will, you know, rip things out of newspaper I'm not newspapers, magazines, if I'm reading them yet. Like I totally buy magazines when I fly and like, I'll rip people are like, why are you ripping all this stuff out? And I'll, I'll pin it on my little board. And yeah, I love Pinterest. I, lo- I love any visualization of, of sort of, things that I want in the immediate. It's not like, oh, and, you know, yeah, okay, I have a retirement fund, but, like, I'm talking, I can't plan very, I can't plan tomorrow's meal. I mean, I I can, I can think maybe, okay, in six months I would love to, like, in six months I would love to open an office in Nashville. And so that's something I'm, like, working towards. So that makes me think, okay, well, maybe I won't go get my nails done (laughs) or, like, eat out tonight or do something stupid that is going to, that I could easily save on. It just makes me want to do that with that goal in mind, you know, for sure. And are you thinking of opening a branch in Nashville because you want to move out of uh, L.A. or just to uh, have something in Nashville? No, just to have something in Nashville. You know, I think we don't do enough business out there, frankly. We don't have enough of what's going on down there, and there's not enough of Like, one thing I realized doing this documentary is there's a huge gap between Nashville and L.A. Like, there's almost, like, an East Coast, West Coast thing. Like, Nashville is like, oh, we're the anti-Los Angeles. And, you know, and it, I, just, there's, I feel like there needs to be more of a, a gap bridged. And plus, I just want to go home. I just want to be home and have grass at my feet into occasionally, 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lauren, we're it in... kills the grass. Yeah, yeah. Well, plus it doesn't rain, so it doesn't help, you know. <laughs> uh, so we won't get started. Yeah. So, Lauren, we're nearing the end, and I usually like to save some space here for you to share with our listeners your final words of wisdom. Oh, crap. Um, and I know we've covered a lot, but if you have, like, something big and profound that, you know, you want to dump on us. <laughs> yeah, dude, this this life is too short. I think just figure out what makes you happy and what is your passion and what makes your, you know, heartbeat and all that cheesy stuff. Uh, you know, just tune into that. Figure out what that is first and and then do whatever it takes to, to do that all the time. And just be kind of a good person while you're doing it, if you can. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that wise. Just keep at it. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week. 